You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. You know, this morning, I don't normally comment much, but this morning I was driving to church and I've been thinking about and uh, my heart is ministry and I've been very busy with the building and different things. And uh, I was thinking about this morning, the Apostle Paul talked about his lineage, how that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. Talked about how he was zealous of the law, but he counted it all as dung that he may win Christ. Because when he found Jesus, he found what he was looking for in life. And I was thinking about that this morning. And I, I, um, I say this carefully, but I want to say it plainly. I deal a lot of times with my, myself. I'm not the only one, but deal with different situations or get calls sometimes that I got a call yesterday and sometimes... Um, people just just are broken. You know, people in the world, including people in this congregation this morning, have real-life needs that are life-altering needs, things that is going on in their heart or in their life that you may not. They may be somebody sitting beside you this morning that carried something in and you know nothing about it. And things that if the Lord doesn't step in, man, I feel this this morning. If the Lord doesn't step in and intervene, it will drastically change their life. And the, in the world, there is no hope. And in the world, there's nothing but a beggarly element that the enemy of our soul will try to turn us to from time to time this morning. But I just want to tell you this because it's in my spirit. You may not understand all of the things about God. And you may not understand all of the ways about God because His ways, they're not our ways and his thoughts they're not our, our thoughts you may not know what God is doing and you may not know why certain things are happening in your life and certain things are coming to pass in your life but I want you to know this morning it doesn't change the fact that the answer is still Jesus Christ uh, even if you don't understand if you will pursue Christ uh, and hold on by faith the Lord somehow I may not know what he's doing but what I do know what he's doing is the right thing uh, I don't know his will I don't know if he He'll heal. I don't know if he'll deliver, but what I do know is that what he's got planned in the end is greater than the situation that is before you today. He is our hope. He is the answer. And if you'll pursue him, he'll make himself real to you today. Amen and amen. I kind of wish that was my message, but we're going to go this morning to Judges in chapter number 8. Verse number four, I do want to say this morning real quickly that we did thank the Lord. We got a roof on our building this week. Amen, amen and amen. We thank the guys that were able to help put the roof on. There were uh, some men that we had come, Cody Bradley's crew, some of their guys came and helped also. And uh, we got that thing put on. Basically, it's in the dry outside of the doors and the one the, the windows. We we basically got it in the dry, and so uh, I can relax. I can sleep for an extra thirty minutes instead of getting up at four thirty. I'm getting up at five. Thank the Lord for that. And so I can relax a little bit. And so to everybody, I know Pastor Brian has said it, but it doesn't hurt to say it again to everybody that has helped so far. We still got a long way to go, so don't uh, think we don't need your help. But to everybody that's helped so far, to those uh, that are baking stuff, to those that are picking up pecans, that are picking out pecans, hey, you know what? We got so much going on, there's no reason why everybody's not involved in something. Amen? 
still room in the squirrel club. You can pick up pecans. Our children's church, they took some uh, kids over and picked up pecans. And you know what? Youth, youth, all of you youth, great opportunity to teach your kids how, how that sometimes we have to, we don't have money to give, but we can go to work. And so everybody, thank you, Children's Church, Sister Melissa, Sister Jessica, Jennifer Wynn, I know. Thank you for training our children. They're the church of the next generation. And so we must train our children. So thank you so much for doing that. And uh, little by little, with everybody having a mind to work, we're going to get it done. Amen? Amen. Judges chapter 8. Sorry to keep you standing up so long, but I uh, jump into this scripture. Only two verses this morning, but we're going to comment on others that you can look at. But Judges chapter 8, starting in verse number 4. And Gideon came to Jordan, and he passed over. He and 300 men who were with him faint, yet pursuing them. And he said unto the men of Sukkoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people who follow me, for they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And I back up to verse number four, and this is what I'm going to use for a title. Gideon came to Jordan, passed over he and 300 men that were with him. They were faint, but they were still pursuing. And that's what I want to minister this morning, faint yet pursuing. You may be faint in the faith this morning. Me and Brother Joe was talking about it, and he has no idea what I was going to preach. We were talking about it before church. You may be faint, but are you still pursuing after the things of God? Will you bow your head and let's pray. Father, I love you this morning. Thank you, God, for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. Thank you for the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit that we've already felt. But Lord, as we get into your word, I'm asking, Lord, that you would open our ears to properly hear, our hearts to receive. And Lord, anoint me, God, to rightly divide this great word of truth, to bring out, Lord, the things that you need to be brought out, Lord, so that you may be glorified. And I'll be very careful to give you praise, to give you glory and honor in in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says amen. I piggyback off of Wes this morning. He talked about the servant that Gideon would take with him to help him, and that servant being a type of the Holy Spirit. It was a great message. And so uh, picking up here, I do want to also say in conjunction to that, if you uh, sometimes it's important for us to bring things together. And so let me say this quickly, and, and I'll get right to the text. But he ministered on us having the help that we need. And for the last couple of weeks, last Sunday, I was on uh, the walk of faith. And we've been talking about the last couple of weeks on Wednesday night, uh, the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And if we put these things together, well, we understand there may be a struggle between the flesh and the spirit, but in that walk of faith, we have the help that we need. And so this morning, uh, I want to talk about that and try to encourage a little bit. Anybody use a little encouraging in their faith this morning? Amen. And so we'll try to encourage, and I've do a lot of paraphrasing, be no different this morning, but I want to take you back here to the life of Gideon, and I want to try this morning to illustrate this in comparison or put it together here, try to relate the best I can to 
our, yours and mine own individual walk with God and the things that we uh, go through in, in order to live for Christ. And, and not only, the, I don't want to emphasize the things we go through more than we emphasize the victories that the Lord gives us because we keep our faith in Christ and what he's accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And so let's go back here to the life of Gideon uh, in chapter 8 and uh, we'll give you the setting. It's necessary and, and uh, again, paraphrasing seems to be my way of choice to try to be able to relate. The man of God here, Gideon, who did not feel like a man of God at all at the time, his name in itself literally means warrior. Gideon, whose name means warrior, is uh, here at a time that Israel had been reduced, and think about this, they had been reduced uh, as a people to the point that they didn't even live out in the open anymore. The enemy had suppressed them and oppressed them so much that Gideon and his men, Israel, they didn't even live out in the open. They were, uh, they were pushed back into caves and they lived in tunnels. They did come out to try to grow their crops and try to make a way of life. But about the time that they would get everything at the place where they would harvest it, then the Midianites and the Amalekites would come in and wipe out their harvest and take everything everything that they had spent time growing. I got some farmers here this morning and I farmed some myself. It's a, a passion. I enjoyed farming parts of it. I still miss, but I know one thing when you spend uh, the days and the times we got there at seven o'clock in the morning and set on a 4960 and driving a 20 foot Great Plains drill and we planted thousands of acres and we're watching and we're doctoring it and we're uh, spraying it and we're watering and we're doing everything it takes in order to grow a crop. Well, if it got ready to harvest, and somebody come in there and trample it. Listen, I don't care how spiritual you are, you'd be mad. Amen? You'd be upset. And Gideon, this is their way of life. About the time they would get something ready to harvest, well, here would come the enemy and they would trample it all down and they would steal everything that they had. This was how Israel lived. Their life was reduced to this type, uh, this type of living over and over again. And one day Gideon, the warrior, sitting on an oak, under an oak tree. And while he's sitting there under an oak tree, there was an angel of the Lord. Some Bible scholars said it was the Lord himself. And it, it doesn't mean, I don't mean to demean that, but it doesn't really matter here in regards to where I'm going. The point is the Lord came to him by a means of an angel or by himself and he told him, Gideon, get up, you great man of God, you great man of valor, you get up. And Gideon, when he said that, was like, what are you talking about? What do you even mean? And they have a conversation. Here's how the conversation went. Gideon, watch this, he's plain. See, we don't want to be plain with God because we're afraid we're going to stump God by the way that we're thinking. Oh, I'm preaching good. And God don't know our thoughts. And Gideon says, what do you mean, you great man of valor? He said, we're living in tunnels. We're living in caves. We've been pushed back. We can't even harvest our crop because the enemy has suppressed us so much. And he says, get up, Gideon. You're a great man of valor. You're a great man of war. And he said, really? Again, I'm paraphrasing, where's the God that I heard about? Where is the God that I heard about? Gideon, probably not alive at the time, but here he says he's the God that I heard about from my father. So his father had told him about the God that delivered them out of Egypt. It's specific there in chapter 6. He tells them, where's the God I heard about that delivered us out of Egypt? And if I went on with that conversation, I would say this and say, where is the God that dropped the ten plagues on the people of Egypt, Egypt and brought Pharaoh to the place that he would say, go ahead and get your people out of here? Where's the 
God that met with Moses on the top of the mountain in the burning bush and said, go down and tell him to let my people go. Where is the God that gave us, that led us cloud by day and fire by night? Where is He that made water flow from a rock? Where's the one that caused manna to fall from heaven and quail to fall from heaven? I would love to see the Red Sea part and the Jordan River, but I'm sitting under an oak tree and all I can do is say, where is this God that I've heard about all of my life? I want to tell you this morning, believer, there's not a single one of us that's not wondered the same thing. We may not want to admit it this morning and we may not want to bring it to the table but there's been times when our life has been so broken and things were so bad that in our own heart and our own mind we were saying where is the God that is my healer? Where's the one that promised to deliver? Where's the one that promised to be over my family? Where is He? And the Lord brought him to this place that He would not just get him to question but He brought Gideon to the place where he would have his own experience Experience with the Lord and know that God was the God, the great I am, who He said He was. I want to tell you something this morning. It's one thing to hear about God. It's altogether another thing when you experience God for yourself. The stories he heard was not good enough. This angel that met him under a tree is saying, Gideon, I know you've heard great things, but now's the time. You're the one that has been. Watch this. What was in Gideon's heart? In Gideon's heart is, where is this God I've heard about? And the Lord said, I've got a man down there under, I'm paraphrasing, I've got a man sitting under an oak tree, and he really wants to see me, and my people are pushed back in tunnels, and I really want to show them where I'm at. So now that i got a man... Maybe God's just looking for a man or a woman. That's not even in my notes. Maybe God's looking for somebody that would say, God, I really want to see you. Where is this God? And Gideon's sitting under there, and the Lord said, I want you to get up. He proved that it was healed by the fleece, and I'm going, I'm paraphr- going through some things. But he proved that it was healed by the fleece, and one thing It's about the mighty works of God. It's one thing to hear about them, but another thing to experience them. And I'm thankful this morning for the testimonies, but our own experience will always surpass the testimonies that we've heard. The next events that we read about, I could relate E likened to the salvation experience because the Lord is about to do something for Gideon. And I promise I'm making my way to my text. He's about to do something for Gideon that would build such a desire in him that it would take us to our text because of the experience that Gideon would have. Gideon would find himself faint in the flesh, weak, without power, wanting to quit, but something inside of him just wouldn't let him quit. And he said, I may be faint, but I'm going to keep pursuing because God has revealed himself to me in a way that will, I will never be able to doubt that God is the God of impossibilities. And so Gideon, as we liken it to the salvation experience, the work of the heart, watch this. First of all, Gideon under an oak tree, God singled him out. Think about that. Elisha, plowing in a field when Elijah walked by, took his mantle off and throwed it upon Elisha. 
And Elisha would kill the ox and burn the plow as a type of saying, I'm not going back to my old life. God singled Elisha out. He singled him out. He met him individually. The woman at the well, the Lord said, I'm going to, I must go through Samaria because there's a woman there that is broken and I have got to have a conversation with her today. God singled her out. Zacchaeus would climb a sycamore tree and when the Lord got to Zacchaeus with all of the people following him, he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. And he singled him out. Listen, we serve an individual God that will single you out and make himself so real to you that you will never be able to doubt the life of Christ. He singled him out. I thought about that this morning and I was thinking about even Saul on the road to Damascus. He singled him out and I don't know where you were at when the Lord singled you out. If you're here this morning and you're born again, but I know that when God singles us out that it will be an experience that we will never be able to forget. We read about these things, but I want to tell you this morning it's, it's just as powerful when we have people begin to stand up from all walks of life and they tell you about the moment that God singled them out. Uh, for me, I was on the floor of my mobile home when I, yeah, I knew about the things of God, but I never really surrendered my heart. But on that one night, I, I got down in my living room floor and I cried myself a puddle. God singled me out. I don't even know if he was anywhere else in the world right then, but he filled my mobile home and the Lord singled me out. Uh, I know he's not here this morning, but Brother Greg Hopper pulled into a rehab hospital, never got out of the truck, and the Lord met him in the cab of his truck. Uh, God singled him out and delivered him from drugs on that very day. Uh, you may have been like my dad uh, that was looking at at 40 years in the state penitentiary when God singled him out and sent a woman to talk to him about Jesus Christ. Miss Lauren said on her way home from a Bible study, God singled her out. Brother Randy would say, I was on my I was in the bars bound by alcohol, went to church with my mind made up. I'm not getting saved. Found himself at an altar crying out to the Lord because God singled him out. I want you to know this morning, and I will not not back up from what I'm about to say. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to know God loves you. He'll single you out and save your soul from a devil's hell. Young or old, if you're at the age of accountability, children's church still went over and some of them are at the age of accountability. Destiny texted me the other day and said, I had six of my little kids raise their hand to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord. And as they say, I said, I should have given you Sunday morning. That's more than what I had to come up and let you uh, preach to the adults. But listen, uh, if you're at the age of accountability, uh, you will not, uh, man, this is in my spirit and ain't even part of the message. Uh, if you're at the age of accountability, you need to understand this morning, uh, you're not going through the pearly gates on mom or dad's shirt tail. You're not going because grandma and grandpa was a preacher. You will go as everybody goes by the way of the blood of Jesus Christ. I place my faith in Christ and what he's done and God the Father is able to justify me and declare me not guilty of all sin. Man, I want to preach this morning. Justified, declared not guilty of all sin. Because of my simple faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. I don't have anything else more important to say this morning than that. If you don't know Jesus, heaven's courtroom is wide open this morning. 
And you can walk down before God the Father, the great judge, place your faith in Christ and it's a 100% guarantee or this Bible's wrong and I'll throw it away on my way out that he will justify you and declare you not guilty of all sin. That's powerful. And Gideon was singled out. First thing that happened, he's going to get their attention. If there's going to be a change in your life, it's going to get some people's attention. Here's what the Lord said when Gideon said, I'll go. He says, I want you to go to the groves of trees where they grow in the trees to build the altars for Baal. I want you to cut them all down. Just cut them all down. Destroy them. Gideon says, okay. He goes and he destroys them. After they destroy them, they find out who, 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 who's done this. Well, Gideon has done it. They go to Gideon's father. They go to Joash, and when they get to Joash, they said, here's what Gideon done. He destroyed all of these. We want you to kill your son. Joash said, I'm not going to kill my son. All of these were done for, for Baal, your God. If Baal is God and he's alive, why don't you let Baal deal with him? If he's a real God, why don't you let Baal deal with him? They didn't have nothing to say. You know why? Because Baal is not God. And so they go on. The Amalekites, Midianites, seen it. They said, we're coming after Gideon. We'll kill him. We're going to kill all of them. And then the Lord does something real unique. He cuts his army all the way down from thousands to 300 men. When you're wanting to win a fight against an army, you don't want less men. You want more. Just food for thought, in case you didn't know that. Here's the Amalekites and the Midianites that were coming on horses and swords. And you know what the Lord told Gideon to get? Get you some pitchers. We're going to put a little candle. I know I'm paraphrasing. We're going to put a little candle in that pitcher, in that clay pitcher. And in your other hand, you're going to get a trumpet. Talk about bringing a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> if you were one of the, in the flesh, and I was one of them 300 men, and Gideon got us together. Here's how we're going to fight them. I want you to get some clay pitchers and get you a trumpet. What am I supposed to do with a clay pitcher and a trumpet against men that have swords? Throw it at them, and then after it makes them mad, play for them while they kill me? Think about it. I'm, talking, I'm trying to get you to see the impossibility and how that the Lord brought him down to a place that he's not even, what am I supposed to do with this? Look at the guy next to me and say, man, look, I'm going home to plan your funeral. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. I'm, not going, I'm not going with a clay pitcher and a candle. And Gideon says, this is what we got to do. And they said, okay. Made their way up on the mountain. When they got up on the mountain, the story begins to transpire how that at the time that Gideon told them, commanded them, under the command of the Lord, they broke the pitcher. The light would shine and they begin to play the trumpet. Brother Gary Johnson preached a message from this years ago. If it won't break, don't bring it. That's what, he, that's what he preached. And uh, they broke the picture. The light shined. They blew the trumpet and said, The sword of Gideon and of the Lord. And the army of the host of army. Thousands and thousands of men were so confused. They turned on each other and began to kill one another. And Gideon and his men are sitting up here watching the ones going to kill them. They're killing themselves. Man. Do you understand that sitting on top of that mountain, the Lord showed Gideon. I don't really need you to do anything but obey and believe me. And I'll wipe out the enemy if you'll just believe me. Here's how I know Gideon had great faith. You don't bring a clay pitcher and a trumpet to fight a man with a sword. You better believe the Lord. So he had great faith. And he watched as the enemy destroyed him. And now 
I can pick up to where I want to be. Gideon begins to go after Zeb, Zeb, Zeba, 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 and Zalmunna. He begins to go, why the king? Because they were the ones in charge. And if you killed them, then you completely confused all of the, Amalek, uh, the Amalekites and the Midianites. You killed their king. They didn't know what to do. He said, I'm going after their king. Now watch this, and I'll bring you to the text here. In verse number 4, we bring it back up so you can see it. Gideon came to Jordan, passed over he and 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing the word faint meant they were weary, they were weak in the flesh, but pursuing meant that they had refused to give up. Man, if we could get some believers that would refuse to give up on their faith in Christ and what he done on the cross of Calvary, the church could do much for the kingdom of God. And verse number 5 and verse number 6, he said to the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And verse number 6, watch this. The princes of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in thine hand, that we should give bread to thy army? In other words, when Gideon went to them and told them, they didn't believe that they were going to be able to capture these two kings. We don't believe you. We don't believe you, so we're not going to waste our bread on you. We don't think you can be able to do it. And so they refused to give them bread. And Gideon said, okay, well, when I capture them, I'm coming back. I'm going to get some briars and thorns, and we're going to tear your flesh with these briars and thorns. They still didn't give them bread. You know why? Because they did not believe that they were going to be able to help them. There's two things that I want to bring out right here real quickly. First of all, I want to tell you, by them asking for bread, they were looking for help in the natural for what is a spiritual problem. And looking for help in the natural for what is a spiritual problem will never help any of us. They asked for bread. They were trying to feed their flesh. But this is a spiritual, a lot of things I'm looking out, but a spiritual issue in the natural would never be able to bring help in the spiritual. And the second thing that I want to bring out is that Sukkoth did not believe that they would have victory. Do you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of new converts that come to Christ they come to live for the Lord. They go back out into wherever they was and they uh, try to, uh, they're trying to live for God on their own. But those that know them have already labeled them. And they don't believe that God can really change you. So here's what happens. They're not going to help you. They're not going to support. They're not going to encourage you because they know you for how you've always been. So they're not going to, does that make any sense? So they left them all alone. They said, we're just not going to support you at all. You need to get ready. You need to get, as God, as you walk, this walk in the spirit and the Lord is changing things. I remember when I was called in the ministry and I thought I would tell some folks. Well, I didn't tell nobody for a while because I just didn't know what to do. with it. And then when I started telling people, it's like, yeah, okay, and walked away. They didn't believe that. Just don't, they're just not going to believe that you're going to live for God. There's people right now that does not believe that you're going to live for God. There's family. There's friends. They've already labeled you. And so Gideon is now at a place where he is further discouraged. And here's the question. Will he continue to pursue even though he's discouraged? Will he continue to pursue even though he's getting no support? Or will he 
throw the towel in and quit. And Gideon, as we should do, pursued. He was faint. He was weak. But he was pursuing. And I want to tell you this morning, I move to my next verse on your road to victory. Expect for people not to support you. Expect them for them to not encourage you. People don't understand what God has already done in your heart. They can't see that work of the heart. So they're not going to support something that they can't see in the natural. In verse number 8, and he went up thence to Penuel and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel, watch this, answered him as the men of Succoth. So here we have two things that I want to bring out. Gideon was needing, was looking for help in the natural because he wanted bread. When he didn't get help in the natural, the Lord is showing him natural help is not what you need. You need to trust me. You need to keep pursuing even though you're faint. But Gideon made the same mistake again and looked for help in the natural again. How many times are we expecting God to do something in our life and God doesn't do it when we want him to? We already tried on our own and it failed but because God is taking too long. Well, we try again on our own. And again we fail. Gideon made that mistake again. I'm not going to, I'm sure not going to kick Gideon because I've done that also. God's not moving when I want him to move, so I will try to help God out, help give God some advice because maybe God don't know exactly what to do. Penuel rejected him, and here uh, he should have already learned that he wasn't going to get any help in the natural, but yet... He had to learn it again. Listen, sometimes we need to learn again. God's not going to change his mind or change his ways. He wants to help us with the help we need by the person of the Holy Spirit, not some other way that is given to us in the natural. And so now he was rejected again. He's still faint in the flesh, but he's strong in the spirit. So he keeps pursuing them, and now here's where we're at. He catches his two kings. He has Zeba and Zalmunna. Zeba's name means sacrifice or kill you, killing. Zalmunna literally means to remove the covering. What was these two kings out to do? They were out, spiritually speaking, to remove the cover of Christ so that they can kill the believer. And he comes to them and captures them. And when he gets there, to capture them, here's something that I want you to know. Watch this. Anybody in here ever rode a camel? Anybody want to ride a camel? I mean, I have no desire to ride a camel. These two men rode a camel. Listen to me. You know why they rode a camel? Because there was no animal that could had the endurance of a camel. What was Zeba? And Zalmunna trying to do, they were trying to outlast the faith of Gideon. Has the enemy outlasted your faith in Christ? Has the enemy outlasted your faith in Christ? Well, it's not happened like I thought. It's not happening when I thought. So the trial of time is starting to get me. There's a reason they rode them because they were trying to outlast and the enemy tries to use this to outlast when God will use it to stretch our faith. Turns to his son when he gets there. Watch this. He's standing before the two kings. Turns to his son and he says, take their life. 
To kill these two kings would have been a great victory. My, if I'm sitting, I know there's other fathers that's done that. If I'm sitting with my dad, I remember my dad hooking a big fish on the fishing pole and then handing me the fishing pole because he wanted to watch my face when I was reeling it in. Sitting in the deer woods, you've sat in the deer woods and you've got a, a youth with you. And as much as you would like to take the big 12-point buck, if you like, to deer hunt, if you handed the rifle to that child and they took it, well, that was even more joy than you doing it yourself. And Gideon is sitting there with his son. He's got him dead to rights. He said, here, son, I'm going to let you have the victory. And his son says, no, dad, uh-uh. And Zeba and Zalmunna spoke up and said, the man that kills us is the man. The man that catches us should be the man that kills us. And Gideon took his sword, come up with a sword, and he takes their life. Listen, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, there's a reason that, that Gideon had to take this victory and not his son because simply this, as much as you want to see your grandchildren or your children to continue to pursue Christ and have great victories, you don't need to forget there's still victories that you need to be pursuing in your own life. Your victories are not your children's victories. And your children, man, that's good. Your children's victories are not your victories. When they get to the age of accountability, there are things that the Lord will lead them to and God will give them victory after victory. But don't forget, there's still things that you need to be believing and trusting God for that are on your list for the victories that you need to win in your own life. And now with them killed and out of the way, he had reached what the Lord had anointed him to do. The Spirit of the Lord had came upon him. And he had received a great victory because he failed to quit. He was faint, but he kept pursuing. And I want to tell you this morning, believer, as I quit, I know that living for God, sometimes it's easy to get in a rut. I don't care if you're a teacher, preacher, pastor. I don't care youth worker, it's easy to get in a rut. It's easy for us to get satisfied and set comfortably just by being justified. It's easy to go through the motions sometimes. But I want to encourage you this morning because the Lord's put it in my heart. God did not call you to sit stagnant in your walk. God called us to receive victory after victory after victory. He's got more to give than what we could ever receive. Victory after victory. He's called us through every trial, every tribulation, every struggle to receive victory. And I just come to encourage you this morning. You may be faint in your faith, but I want to encourage you to pursue the things of God. Pursue victory. Pursue deliverance. Pursue being healed. Pursue being changed. Pursue your children being saved, whatever the case may be. Pursue your marriage being restored. Pursue these things. I know that the battle gets weary. I understand 
I'll be the last guy to play that down, but I just come to give you a promise this morning that if you will pursue by faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary, there truly is a victory that has already been given. Yes, God may use it to stretch your faith. Yes, God may use it to cause you to trust him more, to cause you to pray, but in the end, spiritually, you will be so much better and and you will be in a place where you can help and encourage other people. God knows what he's doing and if we will trust him and pursue after the things that he has been before us, we will come to the place where we don't regret going through the trial and the tribulation because greater is the victory than the turmoil of the trial. I quit with this. Referred to it several times. Help me, Brother Jeff. One Sunday night, Brother Jeff and Sister Megan, they they give their own testimony about when the Lord restored their marriage. During that time, it's really not relative to their own trial that they went through. But during that time, because God's got a plan. Sister Megan had a co-worker that come to her. And the co-worker was going, started going through the same thing. Here we go down this road. She's coming to me and say, pray for her. I'm trying to encourage her and I'm trying to help her see the Lord knew that Sister Megan would be a good contact for her because Megan had just went down that road and she's trying to encourage her and help her. And I don't even know if she remembers this, but there come at a point, and she come to talk to me, a point in the conversation when she says this. She says, you know, sometimes I wish I could just fight it for her because I know that with my faith in Christ, I can win this. See, when you're in the middle of it, the enemy will make you wonder, make you question, make you doubt. Am I going to win? Am I going to come out on top? But when you receive the victory, say, I know that by faith, there's nothing that the Lord is going to allow me to come through that I can't be more than a conqueror because of what Christ has already done for me on the cross of Calvary. I just come to simply encourage you this morning, believer, you may be faint. But if you'll keep pursuing, victory is guaranteed. Would you stand with me this morning? Go ahead. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. It's a decision. Think about it. I have decided to follow Jesus. Listen to this. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. Come on, sing it with him this morning. I have decided to follow Greatest decision you'll ever make. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning. The cross before me. 
back. Think about it. This Though is what we're looking to. Go with me. Still I will follow. It's about our individual. Go with me. Hallelujah. Still I, I will, will follow. follow. Hallelujah. Go with me. With me. Still, Still I, I will follow. follow. No turning back. Can you do no that? Turning the cross before me and the world behind me. The world behind me. Come on, think about it. The cross before, before me. me. The, the world, world behind, is behind me. me. Thank you, Lord. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning, no turning back. back. No turning back. I have decided one more time, sing it. have decided. Hallelujah. To follow Jesus. Lord, we sing it as a prayer this morning. I have decided, decided to, follow to follow Jesus. Jesus. I have decided to follow, to follow Jesus. Jesus. No turning back. Hallelujah. With your head bowed this morning, I want to make a simple altar call. He's still playing. Maybe you're here this morning. You've become faint in your faith. If you was honest to God, honest to yourself, you could honestly say, you know, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I've just become really faint. But this morning, I've been encouraged to pursue because I know that what is before me is greater than what I'm going through. This morning, I think that it would be an order for us to just find ourselves a place to pray if that's you and say, Lord, forgive me for even thinking about it. Forgive me for even thinking about it. I'm asking for a fresh anointing to pursue after the things, your things, to pursue after victory, to pursue after what you put before me. This morning, I think it would be a good time to pray. Others have already coming. But if that's you, would you come? Find yourself a place to pray. Father, forgive me for even thinking about giving up. Give me the strength and the anointing to one more time to keep on going. Uh, I may be faint, but I'm pursuing this morning. Uh, I'm holding on to what you've given me. Uh, and I believe that greater is he that is with me than he that is in the world. Uh, come on this morning. It's a good time to pray. It's a good time to call upon the name of the Lord. Can I get some altar workers to help me this morning? Several are up here. Would you come find yourself somebody to pray with and help them to intercede to the Lord this morning? Uh, God, touch your people wherever you want to be. God, touch your people this morning, Lord. We may be faint, but we're still pursuing after your things. God, encourage us in the faith today. Hallelujah. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me. If you were blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.